1: Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hongbin Jung. Risk appetite has re-emerged to global markets following announcement of the tentative deal reached between President Joe Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy on the U.S. debt ceiling. And with cautious optimism that the U.S. will avert a catastrophic default, how are markets reacting? Well, to find out more, joining us on the phone today is Danish Lim, who's a market analyst at Philip Novo. Danish, welcome to the show. Uh, Oh, hi. Thank you for joining me today. Well, you know, there's been mixed performance of U.S. equities overnight uh, during overnight's trading session following the deal between President Joe Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. I mean, markets were closed uh, on Monday and overnight they were a bit mixed. What does this signal?
2: So, what I think this signals is that the, in the, the ongoing optimism, as well as the rally mm-hmm. in uh, some of the AI related stocks, it's actually currently being offset by uh, what we you know, are seeing uh, um, some form of like, cautious sentiment from mm-hmm. investors regarding the debt ceiling deal. Uh, we do have to remember that this deal is tentative. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still needs approval from the Republican-controlled House of Representatives mm-hmm. as well as the Democratic-controlled Senate. And uh, I think just this morning, there was good news that the deal actually cleared an important hurdle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the House Rules Committee voted 7 in 6 in favour of advancing the bill to the House of Representatives. Okay. Uh, of course, things can still become complicated. There are, you know, there are a few hardline rep- Republicans, as well as Democrats, who have said that they will oppose the deal no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. But both Biden and McCarthy, they still remain very confident that the deal will pass through cleanly uh, without a hitch.
0: Even
2: mm-hmm. oh. so yesterday's movements, I think uh, you know, this signals that the, the cautious sentiment is created uh, because of the fact that the deal is yet to be successfully passed through Congress. Other than that, uh, investors who are returning from mm-hmm. the long weekend holiday, they are also likely digesting last mm-hmm. Friday's uh, surprisingly strong inflation data, mm-hmm. which you know, raised the likelihood of more rate hikes on the Federal Reserve.
1: Right. Right. Yep. And speaking of inflation, well, it looks like the bond market also has much to contend with. I mean, the Treasury, that will need to replenish its coffers by selling more debt and passing off the deal that puts focus back on the Federal Reserve's fight to tame inflation. I mean, U.S. Treasuries, they rallied yesterday with yields across the curve dropping. What can we expect here? So
2: firstly, I believe the, with this rally in Treasuries, as far well as the drop in the yields, it's mainly due to the fact that, you know, uh, because of the debt ceiling deal, which was announced over the weekend, the fact that it helped ease some of the debt default fears that was plaguing the markets. Uh, right now, with all these debt default fears all but disappearing,
0: mm-hmm. I think
2: investors are starting to feel more reassured, and therefore they are demanding less of a risk premium, which is why we are seeing uh, some of these treasury yields falling.
0: Mm, okay. so for the remainder of
2: the week, right? Uh, I think we may actually see treasuries continuing to rally, uh, uh, you know, as the market continue to price out some of the risk premium mm. that saw in bonds. Uh, however, once this deal is passed, and like you mentioned, uh, the U.S. Treasury will need to start issuing bills and bonds to restore it, its cash reserves, uh, which is currently sits around 39 billion, mm. uh, its lowest level since 2017. Uh, so, uh, the key thing to know here is that. When the government issues treasury bills, they are essentially borrowing money from investors, and investors will be basically exchanging their cash for treasury bills, and this will reduce the amount of cash available in the market, draining liquidity from markets and potentially impacting stock market performance.
0: Mm, so all
2: see. this, as well as expectations that the Fed may hike interest rates again in June, I think we can expect to see uh, yields start to go higher in mm-hmm. the medium term. Uh, you know, as investors start to price up. As, as the there's the you know the pricing out of default risk that we're seeing right now,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: this may be offset by the upcoming bond issuance, as well as potentially tighter monetary policy.
1: Okay, okay. I mean, meanwhile, gold futures and spot price they rose while oil prices slumped. What is happening on the commodities front then?
2: So what I think is happening is that uh, right now gold prices, um, they are they are actually rising because mm-hmm. the US dollar is weakening. Uh, Again, because of the decline in Treasury mm-hmm. yields.
0: Uh,
2: for, for the month, what we are seeing is that gold futures, they are down by almost 2%. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
2: and this is after a rally earlier in May, uh, due to the, you know, the fears of a US default. Mm.
0: Uh,
2: so again, the US dollar is actually very important when it comes to gold because a weaker dollar makes gold cheaper for holders of other currencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, you'll be able to buy more gold uh, when the dollar is weaker and this will increase demand for gold and therefore lead to higher gold prices. Mm. Other than gold, for oil, you know, uh, I think today, uh, you know, the WTI crude oil futures actually fell by almost 5%, and right. they are trading below $70 a barrel. Uh, for the year, they are down by almost 14%, and there's a lot of reasons. Uh, firstly, on the demand side, it's, uh, mainly, you know, it's mainly due to demand concerns uh, stemming from China's lackluster economic recovery, and that's important because China is the world's largest importer of crude oil. Mm. And on the supply side of things, uh, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty around the upcoming OPEC meeting on 3rd and 4th of June. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, conflict in statements. Uh, last week, an energy official from Saudi Arabia uh, actually warned uh, some of the short oil sellers to watch out. Uh, while, uh, contrarily, uh, uh, contrary, there are, you know, Russian officials as well as Russian President Vladimir Putin who have said that the current oil prices they are approaching economically justified levels. So there's a lot of uncertainty regarding the supply side uh, but uh, right now the latest data shows that Russian crude, crude supply has been steady mm-hmm. even though Russia said that it would cut supply. So what's happening is that this, the Russia is still currently pumping cheaper crude into the market and there's a lot of fears that this may undermine any effort uh, from OPEC to boost prices
1: Okay, I see, I see. I mean, you briefly mentioned, while you were talking about gold, you briefly mentioned about the U.S. dollar. Um, I mean, moves in currency markets, they have been a bit muted, of course, with the dollar trading in tight ranges of less than 0.2% versus most of its major counterparts. After reaching, I mean, it reached a two-month high earlier last week. What can we expect with what will happen with currency markets in the coming days then?
2: So right now, uh, I believe the main thing weighing on the U.S. dollar will be the decline in Treasury yields. Uh, However, in the short term, uh, I think we can expect the dollar to continue weakening as safe haven demand will decline as this debt ceiling issue continues to fade into the background.
0: Mm -hmm. However,
2: in the long run, uh, I think there could be further upside to the dollar, which is highly driven by the Fed's interest rate policy. Uh, Markets are expecting the Fed to hike again in June, and this should, this is usually a bullish, you know, for the U.S. dollar. Other than that, we also saw the USD, uh, Japanese yen, currency pair, go up as high as around almost hitting 141, mm-hmm. which is a six-month high, although it later stayed around uh, 139.80. Mm,
1: okay, and I, I kind of want to move to China now for a bit. I mean, China's blue chips, that lost 0.9%, and Hong Kong's Hang Seng dropped 1.3%. 4% after weak profit data from China's industrial firms. I mean that added to signs of flagging momentum in the world's second biggest economy as well as today we saw factory output or factory activity fall faster than expected as well. So well, what is your outlook like for Chinese equities? Has the momentum of the reopening rally really gone out of steam now?
2: So I think uh, today's data uh, mm-hmm. in the morning actually really highlights how china 's recovery is losing momentum
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, to me it actually it 's actually painting two pictures of china 's recovery. One is a struggling manufacturing sector and lower demand for goods. But well, the second picture is a services uh, sector which is still strong as consumers are spending more on services such as travel and restaurants. So we actually have a bearish outlook uh, for Chinese equities, mm-hmm. and uh, I think there has been a lot of premature optimism regarding the country 's reopening. Uh, there are reports of a new COVID wave, uh, which you know, could see uh, a peak of about 65 million infections towards the end of June.
0: Mm.
2: Uh, other than that, uh, of course, we do have US-China tensions, which are very likely to continue weighing on Chinese equities. Uh, it's actually deterring uh, a lot of foreign investments into the country. Aside from geopolitics, uh, China's property sector remains a major drag on economic growth, uh, property sales by floor space actually dropped uh, in March, uh, uh, in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, developers are also initiating fewer projects and this is very important because the property sector accounts mm-hmm. for about twenty percent of the country 's GDP and it helps drive demand for commodities such as steel, iron, ore, and copper
0: mm-hmm.
2: and Because of this, you know we've seen uh, steel and iron ore and copper prices uh, you know hitting record low levels.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: On the other hand, the consumers are also not spending. Uh, you know, they are actually uh, putting their excess savings into bonds and deposits and they are staying far away from the stock market.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, uh, yeah, I believe, uh, you know, I do have a bearish outlook, uh, especially as investors are likely to rotate away from China into other tech-heavy markets such as China, uh, such as Korea and Taiwan, which have seen recent tailwinds from AI demand. Mm.
1: Okay, okay, moving away from Asia now. And I want to talk about the US, the US Fed more specifically. Core Personal Consumption Expenditure Price Index, which is the Fed's preferred inflation indicator, that rose faster than expected by 0.4% month on month back in April. I just want to dive in more into this. I mean, what do these numbers mean? And what do they mean for markets? What can we expect for the next Fed policy decision?
2: So the core personal consumption expenditure uh, is basically a measure of the prices paid by consumers for domestic purchases of goods and services, excluding the prices of food and energy. And the main difference between the PCE and the widely used uh, consumer price index or CPI is their source of data. Uh, PCE uses data from the quarterly GDP reports,
0: mm-hmm. as well as
2: from uh, some of the big uh, suppliers in the market, but the CPI only uses data from household surveys. So uh, basically you can think of it as the price index has a larger scope, while the CPI has a smaller scope. Mm. So again, uh, last Friday's increase in core PCI reading uh, likely signals that the FED's job is not done, and uh, you know, it could lead to another twenty five basis points rate hike in June. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
2: yeah, something else to, to highlight is that uh, you know prior to the PC uh, release, the Federal Reserve was likely leaning towards a pause, but now uh, now that you know the PC data came in higher than expected, futures traders right now they are currently pricing in about a sixty seven percent probability for a 25 basis points rate hike in June. Mm. And this is very different from just one week ago, before the release of PCE, where there was a 72% chance for a pause.
1: Okay, I see, I see. I mean, investors also, they appear to be gearing up for the release of key U.S. jobs data due this Friday. I mean, there are fears that a strong reading will put further pressure on the Federal Reserve to continue, I mean, lifting interest rates, right? As it struggles to rein in inflation?
2: Yes, yes. Uh the labor market data is mm-hmm. actually very important to monetary policy. Uh Fed Federal Reserve Chair uh Jerome Powell himself has highlighted the importance of the labor market. Uh and this is because uh if the labor market is still tight, which we are seeing right now, mm. what it means is that there's a, uh, you know, the demand for workers is higher than the supply. Mm-hmm. And in a tight labor market, you know, when there's a uh, for example, a lot of job openings, uh mm. demand for workers is very high, what it means is that uh, workers can have more bargaining power, which will lead to higher wages mm-hmm. so higher wages in turn will result in an increase in labor costs for businesses, and businesses will then raise prices of their goods and services to offset some of these higher labor costs. so as a result uh, uh, this a tight labor market most of the time and it typically contributes to higher inflation. Uh, 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 Of course, uh, right now, uh, you know, a lot depends on the labour market data. The Federal Reserve, uh, a lot of officials have recently stated that, you know, they are waiting to see, uh, you know, the upcoming economic data and, uh, you know, see how it impacts their decision, whether to hike rates or not in June.
1: Mm, I see, I see. And before we let you go, Danish, what else should investors be looking out for this week and the next?
2: So firstly, I think uh, investors should definitely look out for commentary from federal officials throughout the week. Uh, just tomorrow, there will be three federal officials who are scheduled to speak. And it will be good to see what they are saying and what their outlook is on the future monetary policy, especially in light of last Friday's uh, you know, uh, surprisingly higher and stronger inflation data. The second thing to look out for, of course, would be the debt ceiling and whether the deal can be passed through Congress without a hitch. Uh, Getting a clean, you know, uh, getting a U.S. debt ceiling deal is one thing, but overcoming all the political divisions, political disputes, uh, as well as all the time-consuming procedures before the exit date of June 5th is another challenge, and there is a risk that in opposition from uh, all the hardline Republicans and Democrats could result in a last-minute revision of the deal. And in such a scenario, I believe we could see a slump in the stock market. Of course, the last thing is, uh, as, we are all, as we all know, is the AI frenzy in the markets. Uh, we have seen strong rallies in AI-related stocks ever since NVIDIA gave a very bullish sales outlook. Uh, right now, NVIDIA is up about 174% year-to-date. So there's a lot of hype and basically any stocks that are related to AI, they're seeing their share price go up without any company-specific news.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: in my opinion, I do agree that the long-term prospects of AI looks great, but uh, I don't see it being able to offset the, you know, the very harsh reality of higher interest rates as well as higher recession risk. I mm-hmm. important uh, to keep in mind that if a recession does happen, uh, some of the big tech firms which are heavily investing into AI like Google, Meta, and Microsoft may cut their capital expenditures, which will in turn impact the demand for AI as well as you know, AI stocks such as NVIDIA.
1: Right, right. Well, thank you so much, Danish, for your time and your insights today.
2: Yeah, no worries. It's good to be here as
1: well.: Thank you. We've been speaking with Danish Lim, who is a market analyst at Philip Nova. Stay with Money FM 89.3.:
0: To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at Moneyfm893.sg, or download our audio app. That's AWEDIO, available on Google Play or the App Store.